Welcome to Vows to Keep Radio with David and Tracy Sellers. The mission of Vows to Keep is to help couples develop a biblically healthy marriage through the application of God's Word and a deeper relationship with Him. They desire to help you and your spouse grow closer to each other and closer to the heart of God's design for your marriage. Now, here's David and Tracy with today's broadcast. We are excited to be continuing to the second half of our two-part series titled that a song of Solomon chapter six, verse three. So the overall concept is this, if we are to be what is represented in song of Solomon, that, that picture, I am my beloved's meaning you've got every right to me. You've got every bit of me and, and you are to be every bit of mine. That is a beautiful picture to the world of Jesus Christ and his love for each of us accepted fully, loved fully, embraced fully. But that doesn't come naturally in our everyday lives with each other, I don't think. No, most definitely not. And and we were reading the other day in Second Corinthians chapter five. Yeah, it's really one of my favorite passages, but I've never tied it to marriage like you were talking about, David. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah. It says because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope that you know this too. In verse 12, it goes on. Are we commending ourselves to you again? No. We are giving you a reason to be proud of us so you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. If it seems we're crazy, it's because we want to bring glory to God. And if we're in our right minds, it's for your benefit. Either way, and this is really the punchline, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, We also believe that we have all died to our old life. And that is a beautiful picture in marriage. Mm -hmm. When we become one, we're no longer separate. We are in fact owned by someone else. And this verse goes on. It says, he died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Apply that to marriage. Yeah. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. And it's because he's called us to be his ambassadors. We are together a picture when when people see our love for each other and know the depth and the sincerity of those things. It's not just a production. It's not just a facade that we put on to have a ministry. But in fact, our love is something that comes from Christ and is therefore what makes it possible for us to be his ambassadors. The scripture that David started out with was from Song of Solomon chapter six. I am my beloved's and he is mine. And maybe at one time you were able to say that about your spouse. You were able to say that even about your relationship with God. So let's recap for just a moment what we talked about. And then we want to continue this conversation with you today so that you can get back to the point where you can say, I am my beloved's and he is mine or she is mine. I am God's and we are in close relationship with one another. If you're married, you're probably like us. You can remember where it all started. Do you remember that dating time, Tracy? And we would go to the Strata Bowl and stare deeply into each other's eyes. It was an idyllic season. It was like for David and Tracy Sellers. Well, I guess you weren't Tracy Sellers at the time. No, not yet. (laughs) But we were walking in the Garden of Eden of our own lives, so to speak. It really felt like the world was on the outside and we were walking in this paradise with one another. Then it started to get serious, David. That's when you put the ring on my finger and said, hey, let's make this thing official. And that season of wonderfulness continued as we tied the knot. And there was a few bumps in the road. As many marriages experience, 
as they go from being engaged to being married. And there's all that adjustment that comes to people now living together. And these seasons of our relationship with one another really sort of parallel our relationship with God as well, because at the beginning of our relationship with God, we can feel him pursuing us. We know he wants to spend time with us. We finally say yes to him. He places the Holy Spirit as a seal on our hearts. He says, okay, you're mine and I'm your bridegroom. You're my bride. I want to get to know you. And we enter into this covenant relationship with God. And it really also feels very idyllic. We say, I'm going to have a quiet time with God every day. I'm never going to miss a Sunday at church. I'm going to invest my time and love into others because of what Christ has done for me. Same thing in the beginning of our marriage. We say, I would never do anything to hurt this person. I would never stay isolated from them. I would always pour into them and help my spouse pursue what interests them. And then one day we wake up and we realize we're not in the Garden of Eden anymore. And we wonder how in the world we got out of the Garden of Eden that we were in, how we ended up where we're at today. Enter into your marriage something called sin. And you know, it's something we're all very familiar with because it's been in our life since the beginning of our life. And we think back to when Adam and Eve were in the garden and sin entered into their lives. Well, guess what? It changed everything. That's not the end of the story. And when it comes to finding yourself in this point in your marriage where you realize this isn't where we started anymore, we're not the close, united couple. That's a tough realization to come to, David, because as we talked about last time here on Vows to Keep Radio, so many times in our sin, we tell ourselves that it doesn't really matter if we go ahead with it. Adam and Eve had the same lie that they bit into that day when they went against what God asked them to do. It's okay as long as no one else sees. I've got this one covered. You know, I've been doing this particular sin for a really long time, I can handle it. Or you know what? I can totally justify my sin right now because look what my spouse just did to me. Sin is everywhere in our relationship. It never just comes into our marriage and peacefully leaves. In fact, there is something that always happens whenever there is sin in your life. The first is that God responds. And that's where we're going to spend most of our time today talking about. But the other thing that happens is that we respond. And I want you to imagine for just a minute how Adam and Eve responded to their sin. We do the exact same thing. Adam and Eve did everything they could to hide from the Lord. They sewed fig leaves together. They thought in some way fig leaves would hide from God what had really happened. But in fact, what it did is revealed everything. God asked them the question in chapter 3 of Genesis. And this is in verse 9. It says, the Lord called to the man and he said, where are you? And this is where Adam realizes he's busted. Some of us in our marriage are in that same spot. God might be asking, where are you? Our spouse is maybe even asking, where are you? And this is Adam's reply. I heard you walking in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked. What they didn't realize, but they should have, was that God was going to respond to them as God does with total love. Adam says, God, the reason this is happening is because of the woman that you gave to me. As you can probably guess from your own marriage, when we try to shift the blame, guess what happens? We ignore, we try to even bypass the fact that God's love covers us in a way that our fig leaves, our blame shifting would never be able to. David said there's always two things that happen when we sin. God responds and we respond. We deny that it really was a sin to begin with. I've definitely been in that category. We can justify the sin even when we know it's a sin. We can take into account the consequences 
And we make the judgment, you know what, I'm willing to pay that price. If you think about a piece of cheesecake and the weight gain that might come with that, that might <laughs> I think give I just you, did this last night with pecan pie. Give you a little bit of a picture of what we're talking about there. I know the price is going to be had, but I think it might be worth it for me. And the other way we can respond is we can confess it. We can repent from it. We can turn from it. What will you do the next time you sin? How will you respond to it? Will you respond by hiding? In reality, though, God is not the only one that we hide from. He's not the only relationship that we're afraid to be open in. Those fig leaves that Adam and Eve made, they didn't fool God, but they did a great job doing something else. They put a barrier between Adam and Eve's intimacy. So how do we come out of hiding? That's really what today's show is all about, is that God's love actually enables us to do just that. Before we go there, I want you to ask yourself this question. Why do you hide your heart from your spouse? What is it that you're afraid of? Is everything between the two of you out in the open? Or are there some things that you realize in my marriage? Here's why there's a fig leaf. Maybe I'm not sure how to let them inside anymore. I'm not sure if I even want to. If we're open, my spouse would have full access. And my sin is too great for them to ever fully understand. We've been hiding from each other for so long that I think it's just easier and definitely safer to stay independent from one another. Yeah, we live under the same roof, but we're not ready to go there. We start off in that precious, sweet time of our dating and newlywed stage. We're one mind, we're one purpose, we're one heart, one path, and we end up somewhere down the line on two completely different roads. So here we have a marriage that's gone from harmony even unity, a tight bond with your spouse, to here you are now wondering, where do we go next? Maybe your marriage is one that speaks of a unity together, centered around Christ. If that's you, good, keep it up. I'd say it's safe to say, if you're on the same road as your spouse, you've figured out the key to oneness. And really, it's no secret. It's forgiveness, love, and grace. Those key three elements, knowing that you are forgiven, you are loved, You are given grace daily from Christ. Remember that verse from 2 Corinthians 5, Christ's love compels us. And now our job is to give that away to our spouse. If you're on separate paths in your marriage right now, you're looking for hope. You're saying, I've seen how I've responded to my sin and it's gotten me nowhere. Let's look at God's response today. Last time on Vows to Keep Radio, we were in Genesis chapter three. We saw how Adam and Eve were expelled from Let's see. We saw how Adam and Eve's sin separated them from God. And maybe you're recognizing your sin has separated you from God and your spouse as well. We serve a loving God, but we also serve a just God. So in God's response to Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3, he did hand down some pretty harsh consequences, David, to them. Consequences that you and I actually here in the studio today, for those listening today on Vows to Keep Radio, we are all still experiencing Hard labor, literally, for man and for woman. There's weeds and thistles, both in the ground, but in our lives. Sin's consequences are all around us, always separating, always dividing, a marriage that's meant to be one. And here's where this gets really serious, because Adam and Eve's sin literally expelled them from the garden. They reaped what they sowed. My sin, your sin, it all does the same thing to us. Sin makes us wanderers outside of that Garden of Eden relationship with God and outside of our Garden of Eden relationship with our spouse. Sin creeps in when we start to listen to anything other than God's voice. and We start to respond to the enemy's lies. Guess what happens? 
we begin to reject Jesus Christ as our shepherd. He's still our savior. We still trust that he did what he did on the cross for us. But then we go against his word and all the things that it calls us to do. So we trade this path of lilies for a path of bitter weeds and rocks. If you have a marriage question, please email questions at vowstokeep.com. Vows to Keep will respond to you via email and perhaps use it on the air. Now let's rejoin Vows to Keep Radio with David and Tracy Sellers. We reject God's voice when we listen to another voice. And there's lots of voices talking at us throughout the day. We see this show up in our marriage in many different ways. Maybe you can identify with some of these. When the talk show host tells us that we should put ourselves first and then we'll be happy. When we tell ourselves that this Bible and and this God, that's antiquated, that's old. And our new, more modern way of thinking, was it's just going to work out way better in the end. Sometimes it's our best friend. She's sitting across the table at the coffee shop from us. She's on the phone with us. She's texting us and she's saying things like, she wouldn't put up with your husband anymore if she were you. She'd be so out of there. Or when your brain is telling your heart that literally the only way you're going to survive this relationship is to harden your heart, to callous your heart toward your wife and just ignore her the best that you can. Or the big one, when the enemy tells you you'd be better off with someone else. See, the lies that we listen to, the lies that we believe, we don't just keep them in our heads. They go to our hearts and then we take action on them. That's the pattern. Look at Genesis chapter 3. Eve listened to Satan. She considered what he had to say and she bought into it. And then she acted. So God responded to their sin that day. And yes, there was a high price to pay. But contrary to what you might think, Adam and Eve didn't have an insurmountable debt. Sure, they had some new hardships in their lives that they'd never experienced before. The consequences were significant. But God has got bigger plans than just to expel them from the garden and shake his head in disgust. They wanted to run from him, but he made the first step towards them, inviting them back into relationship with him. His response to them was a tender, loving kindness. Yes, mixed with justice, but also came from his forgiving character. How can I say that? Well, first, you got to look at this. God seeks Adam and Eve out in the garden. He wasn't just strolling through the trees that day on a whim. He knew exactly what had just happened. Verse 9 of Genesis chapter 3, if we remember that for just a moment, the Lord God called out to the man and the woman with the intent of not leaving them in their desperate, frightened state. He still wants them, even though they just turned their back on him. Then God himself does something that only God could do. He makes it okay. Read with me verse 21. And this is in Genesis chapter 3. It says that the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. Now think about that for just a second. God literally makes the first blood sacrifice to cover the payment for the first sin that was ever committed. Hebrews 9.22 says this, for without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. What that means is that you and I can't really do anything to pay for our sins. These pathetic leaves that Adam and Eve used to cover up, they wouldn't last more than a day or so. Yeah, leaves decay and they rot and they eventually turn back into dust and dirt. But if you think about it for a minute, the blood of the animals was the payment for sin that day. And God dressed Adam and Eve in clothes that wouldn't wear out. And now because of what Christ has done for us on the cross, according to Isaiah 61, he's dressed you and I 
in the clothing of salvation. He's draped us in a robe of righteousness. Then I got to ask myself this question, dress like that. Why would I ever need to hide from God again? Yet we try to every single day. So what are we afraid of? Why are we trying to hide from God? I think it's because we're constantly bombarded with the lie that God is not going to be pleased with me. I, I can't measure up. What I've done might be totally unforgivable in my eyes. My pride is so high that I do not want to be proven wrong. Maybe I'm afraid of feeling total condemnation. All of the things that we do to put a fig leaf up before God are worthless. Whether it's coming up with excuses and blame shifting from our sin, whether it's isolating ourselves, really trying to ignore the Holy Spirit's prompting. And this happens all the time. Maybe we just never slow down. We're so busy. We're never willing to put his pursuits ahead of ours. Too many of us have a head knowledge of the Bible, and yet we're willing to stand behind our fig leaves. And the crazy thing is, David, in our marriages, when we hide from God, there's no way we can be open with one another. There is a direct connection. We've seen it over and over, haven't we? And even the same ways we try to hide from God, we hide from our spouse. You could even add a few more to the mix. I could use anger towards David to refuse to be open with him. I could give him the cold shoulder treatment or just that sort of obligated politeness that we have towards one another. And definitely in isolation and busyness, we can feel like we're hiding really, really well. We slowly over time let these sins carve us apart. And the same thing happens with God. It could be a big fight that we've never made up from, or we could be cursing God for a trial that we're in. I think for many husbands, sometimes we've never even made an effort to actually remain united and one. I mean, there's sometimes nothing really ugly between us, but there's been no intentionality to say to your wife and to say to your God, I am yours and you are mine. At first, you may not even notice that you've been the person to eat the fruit, just like Eve did. You've accepted the isolation. You've, you've stepped away. You have become isolated and hidden. If you want to be able to say again, I am my beloved's and he is mine, there are some God things that we need to choose to do towards our spouses, whether it be being God honoring in our responses, offering forgiveness when our spouse deserves it the very least, loving them when they seem like they're unlovable right now, and knowing that following God's precepts in his word are going to bring us back to the unity that we once had. We've talked about a lot of parallels today between our relationship with our spouse and our relationship with God, but there's one thing that does not parallel. God is always there to accept us in our broken state. He's always there to love us, to welcome us back. But our husbands who are called to be like God, they are going to fail in this. And restoring the unity that you long for in your marriage might actually start with you fulfilling your role in your marriage first. Your husband might not be right now the man of God that he's called to be. He might not be trying to, to welcome you back into unity. It might actually be you walking among the trees, calling him out, welcoming him back to unity first. And you know, you're never going to know how he's going to respond until you do it. Sometimes God calls out to us hundreds, thousands of times before our hard hearts respond. God is asking you to make unity with your spouse a priority, not to kick them out of your garden, but instead be focused with intentionality on what are the things that are tripping us up. 
and then to call out to your spouse as many times as it is necessary to bring back that unity. As we conclude here today on Vows to Keep Radio, we want you to know that just as much as God made a way for Adam and Eve to come back to him and not to have to hide because of their fear or shame, he made a way for you to come back to him. No matter how your spouse is acting right now, no matter what lies you've believed, no matter how long it's been, you've come out in the open with God and said, here I am. No matter what you've done, you need to know today that God is pursuing you right now. He's calling out to you from the garden of his forgiveness, the garden of his acceptance. It's time to come out of hiding. He says, be with me, long for me like I long to be with you. My advice to you today is don't wait to come out of hiding until you're sure that he'll be proud of you because he wants you right now, just as you are. You are his beloved and you don't belong alone in the desert of isolation away from your creator any longer. Will you come out of hiding? A fifth century monk named Augustine wrote this, and and these words are from his heart and they reflect ours in so many ways. It says this, I came to love you late. O beauty so ancient and new, I came to love you late. You were within me and I was outside where I rushed about wildly searching for you like some monster loose in your beautiful world. You were with me, but I was not with you. You called me. You shouted to me. You broke past my deafness. You bathed me in your light. You wrapped me in your splendor. You sent my blindness reeling. You gave out such a delightful fragrance, and I drew it in and came breathing hard after you. I tasted. It made me hunger and thirst. You touched me, and I burned to know your peace. It's an invitation to you today from God. Will you come out of hiding? Will you listen to his voice saying that he loves you and that he's proud of you? Will you believe that he wants you? King David in the Old Testament heard God calling out to him too, and he wrote this in Psalm 27, 8. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. So what will your response be to God calling out to you? Lord, I'm ready to come out of hiding or Lord, help my unbelief. We started this two-part series here on Vows to Keep Radio with this scripture from Song of Solomon chapter 2, and we're going to end with it today as well. Like an apple tree among the trees of the woods, so is my beloved among the sons. I sat down in his shade with great delight, and his fruit was sweet to my taste, and he brought me to his banqueting house. And this is the, my favorite line, his banner over me was love. What do you believe the banner that God waves over you reads? You, my friend, are not covered in shame. Your banner is one of love and it reads grace and mercy every single day. And here's the good news. God wants to wave that same banner over your marriage. The word hopeless doesn't belong fluttering in the wind of your relationship sorrows. The word broken doesn't belong hovering over your marriage failures and flaws. The word isolation or selfishness doesn't belong over a marital union that God himself created. Your marriage is redeemable, just like you've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. You are covered in his grace, and now he longs to cover your marriage in his grace. God has taken you back into the garden of his love, where you can boldly state, I am my beloved's and he is mine. And it's time to believe that and embrace how your creator feels about you and where he wants to take you next. It's time to let God lead you and your spouse by the path of grace and forgiveness back into the garden of your love for one another. It's time to believe that the unity in your marriage that's been broken and severed and separated by sin can be completely restored. To believe today that God wants to wave a new banner over the two of you. It's a banner of restoration, 
a forgiveness of possibilities, one that you can read daily and confidently echo, I am my beloved's and he is mine, and God's banner over us is love. It's our prayer each week to bring biblical truth for your marriage with the hope that God would actually rule your marriage. We want to extend a heartfelt thank you to those who are already giving to this ministry each month. Did you know that Vows to Keep does more than a weekly radio program? We offer biblical marriage counseling for couples as well, regardless of a couple's financial ability. Consider times where you have received help with no ability to repay. This is the case for many couples who come to Vows to Keep. If you've derived benefit from this ministry, we would like to ask for your help to sustain and further extend the blessing for godly marriages. In order to continue to do what we're doing, we would like to ask for your support of $25 a month. To donate securely today, click the donate button at VowsToKeep.com. This program is sponsored by Vows to Keep of Zanesfield, Ohio.